you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Help me welcome today's amazing guest, Leah McQuaid. Welcome to the show and thank you for your presence and for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. And this is our second time starting it over because my phone buzzed and I really don't like having notifications. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to ask you that question again. How can I ask the same question in more different, unique way? <laughs> it's like directly my thought. Imagine... There is a conversation about you, or maybe commercial about you. Maybe your friends are talking about you. What would they say, or what would the commercial say about Leah? And it can be anything about personal life, or you, the work that you do, or your inner success, or outer success. But what would the commercial that is one to five minutes say about you? Yeah, thanks for asking this. I love this question. And it would be a commercial with so many other people in it because what I like so much about the work that I do is building community. So it would be a whole group of women and we'd all be really free, moving our bodies, feeling into our bodies, and we would be in a community and it would be about building that community. It would be about women coming together and beginning to really step into our fullness. So to me, what that means, stepping into our fullness as women, is being fully embodied. And so it wouldn't necessarily be a commercial just about me. Um, it would be a commercial about um, other women and other women coming together in a tribe and building each other up and being fully embodied. And what I mean by fully embodied is this idea of living from the inside out, this idea of tapping into our innate wisdom and intuition and wildness that comes from the inside. So it would be a whole group of amazing women being fully embodied. So that might mean movement, that might mean stillness that probably means being in nature because being in nature is so important for us to tap back into that innate primal uh, wisdom within. So that's, that's what it would be about. It'd be about community and it'd be about women coming together. Now I miss nature and my community even more, my wild friends, my wild family and friends. And isn't it so amazing? We were talking, chatting before the show, how every word has its own vibration. And as you were saying the word embodied and feminine and wild and woman, I could feel the vibration of those words in every inch of my body. And I got like the feeling of power and powerfulness. And it's so beautiful to observe how every word, just by saying like power, and embodiment we just get embodied isn't it so amazing and you mentioned that it's not going to be about you but i would love to know more about you personally how whatever we teach and we preach we needed to learn that first first maybe not always in an easy way so how did you find yourself thinking about embodiment and how did you find yourself thinking about movement and how did you 
just personally found this path of yourself on this journey of understanding your femininity and the way back to yourself. Yeah, so I'll never forget the very first yoga class that I went to. And the instructor would talk about be in your body. And I had no idea what that meant. Yes. But I was curious, <laughs> right? Like be in your body, be in your body. And I kept hearing that over and over and over again. And I just stayed curious about it. I just stayed curious about what does that mean to really be in my body? And I continue to just stay really curious about that. And so after, um, so yoga was a big uh, turning point for me when I really started to engage in a regular yoga practice. Because it changed your after, life. It changed my life. Yoga. I cannot tell you how many, how often I talk to yoga teachers because I have done yoga teacher training as well. And we all say yoga changed my life. That's the word you will hear from every practicing yogi. Yoga changed my life. Just keep yeah. going. I, I just loved even like hearing that from you again, like yoga changed my life. I just like, I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was really uh, the, the first thing that I started to really do, right, is, is just stay curious. And because of my past, so I have some past um, history of trauma in my life. Um, because of that, it was harder for me to really understand what that meant. And it's because we store our past within our bodies. And so sometimes when we drop into the body, it can be an unsafe and uncomfortable place to be. So a lot of us like to actually live what I call a disembodied or out of the body experience. And so the large part of the work that I do is helping women to begin to come home to their bodies and know that the body is a safe place and the body is um, full of wisdom and we can really begin to honor our bodies from the inside out. And so, so it's been a journey for me, for sure. It's been a journey. You know, I, I started having... Um, Around the same time I found yoga, and actually probably just before I really started diving into a regular practice, I started having a whole lot of symptoms. Like I was having anxiety and depression and insomnia and gut issues and random dizziness and nausea that nobody could explain. And that's when my health journey and my growth and expansion journey really began um, because I was on this mission. My body was telling me something's not right. Something's not right. And I kept ignoring it. I kept ignoring it. I kept drinking wine to like drown out the feelings of the body. I also overexercised. So I was kind of an overexerciser and it's like, that, that high that you get from and the endorphin rush from all the exercising um, was just hiding and masking the real feelings of my internal body. Um, because for me, it wasn't comfortable to be in the body. At the, it wasn't safe for me to be in the body. Um, and so that's when my journey began, when I had all of these symptoms. And it was really hard to function. Um, and I was stressed, I was overwhelmed, 
I was going like a million miles a minute, go, go, go. I was in this go mode as opposed to the flow mode. Um, so I was in more of my masculine energy, that motivation, that determination, that drive, you know, the, the society tells us that that's the gold standard of living, right? The more that we do, the more successful that will be, right? And so I was in that mindset and I really wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't listening to the signs that my body was trying to tell me there's something off. Um, and I just kept pushing until the point where I literally could barely function. Um, and so I was forced, I had hit rock bottom and I was really forced um, to make my way back up and yoga uh, was one of the practices that I did amongst other things. I found healers and I found coaches and I found um, a, a wonderful counselor who helped me with some of my past trauma. Um, and yeah, and it's been a journey ever since and it's been such an amazing journey. And so here I am, that pain that I went through is now really my passion. And my passion is to help other women tap into their bodies and begin to heal from the inside out. There are so many nuggets of wisdom into your answer. I have so many questions now. I don't even know where to start. Let's start. You mentioned over-exercising. I remember when I did my yoga sculpt trainings and I was doing a lot of yoga sculpt, which I was doing power yoga and yoga sculpt, but I was doing it so often. And when I, my body was just done with doing yoga when I did my 200-hour yoga training because I was with my toddler all day. I was writing my book and all I had was mornings and evenings and I was doing yoga because my husband was working and I was a homestead mom raising my toddler. So when I finished yoga, I couldn't do yoga for almost a year. My body was so traumatized because it's so much work doing going through a yoga teacher training and completing all the classes and raising a child for my body. I was like, okay, yoga can traumatize you. And it's not about yoga. Over-exercising over and doing too much of anything can traumatize you. And that's when I truly decided to listen to my body. And I found that... 20 minutes of exercise is completely enough for me. And sometimes I need a dance exercise. Sometimes I just need a light stretch. Sometimes I need a power yoga session. And I just decided to every single morning wake up and listen to my body. When I explain this, I don't think uh, we and people around me, and I'm still, go, I'm still learning so much, understand how important it is not to over-exercise. So tell me, Teach me more about what is over-exercising, how to listen to our bodies, and how can listeners and people around us like give, us, give them tips to understand their bodies and what are the signs of our bodies to over-exercising? Because we really need those really like detailed tools to understand all of it because it's complicated. When we know about it, it sounds easy, but before we even... We, like connect to our bodies all of this is like Chinese to people it's like you're crazy like, you should push your body you should push yourself so let's talk about that and dive deep into listening to our bodies and not over exercising yeah thank you for sharing your story because it, it sounds like it is very similar to mine 
where the power yoga and the, the sculpt yoga, which is more about the workout than it is about the spiritual things of yoga, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a bunch of different lineages of yoga and they're all very different. So that particular type of yoga is really meant to build mus muscle strength and not, not so much about the, the spiritual and the energetic. So thank you for sharing that. I think that that was, you know, really beautiful. And when it comes to embodiment, I think of there being four different barriers to embodiment. And the first one is stress and overwhelm. So I talked a little bit about in my story about how, how I was really stressed and overwhelmed. And when it comes to embodiment, if we're constantly going and doing and pushing and hustling, that of course can lead to stress and overwhelm in our physical bodies, in our mental bodies, in our whole body really. And when we're stressed and we're overwhelmed, we don't have the space or the capacity to listen to what is really going on inside the body because it's all about being in the head. When we're stressed and overwhelmed, right? It's like, we gotta do a million things at once and um, we gotta keep pushing ourselves and keep doing. And so all of that energy really pushes up towards the head. And as women, especially as women, our power center is actually in our hips, in our thighs, in our genitals, in, in our lower bellies. And so- What do you when, mean by power center? Yeah, power center, I mean where we draw our power from, where we draw. And if we think about, that's another really good question. When we think about what we as women are all about, our bodies, not all of us are about all of this, but I mean, you know, we give birth right? We, that's in our womb space, right? That's in our, in our lower bodies are the life force energy that allows life on this planet to continue comes from our amazing bodies. And that life force energy is in our lower body, right? That's in, in our womb space, in our genitals, like I said, the hips, right? And so for many of us women, when we live from a place of our heads, when we overanalyze, when we overplan, when we tax our bodies in a way like over-exercising, where we're just really taxing our bodies constantly, um, we're really getting ourselves away from where our power lies, which is within that space of our body. And we actually even like squeeze our bodies, like our hips and our pelvic floors and our butts. We like squeeze all that energy up to be able to, to, to use the energy in our head for the things like planning and, and analyzing and all the things that, you know, yes, we have to do in the day, but there's a time and space that we need to give ourselves for dropping back into the body and beginning to feel insensitized. So if we're constantly stressed, not giving ourselves that quiet time. I like to call it goddess essentials. If we're not giving ourselves that time to really draw in to our internal world, then we're not only like disassociating from our bodies completely, but we're also not utilizing the power of our femininity, right? Because our, that power lies in our lower bodies. So stress and overwhelm is a big barrier. Um, conditioned beliefs are also another really big barrier. Mm -hmm. um, to embodiment. 
those are the things that society or our parents tell us, right? Um, like I mentioned, one big one already is the more that you do, the more successful you are, right? So the more you put on your to-do list and check off the things on the to-do list, the, the more important you are. However, however it, it might be showing up in, in your culture or how it might be showing up in your immediate family is all gonna be slightly different, but that's just one condition to believe that we grow up thinking that we, we have to be at a very young age. So that stays in our body, right? That belief stays in our body until we start to really question it and stay curious about it and really start to unwind some of those things that have been told or taught to us. We're really unlearning these things that were taught to us at a young age. So that's just one. There's a lot of different conditioned beliefs, especially around women and sexuality. Um, but but that's just that's one barrier, conditioned belief. The other barrier is trauma. And we touched on that a little bit because things that happened to us in the past can affect our our body. They stay within our body. They stay within our nervous system. So although consciously we can take those experiences and kind of put them off to the side, our body still remembers them. So our, our body remembers what our mind forgets. And so oftentimes that trauma can still stay within our bodies. And like I talked about, really um, making it feel unsafe or uncomfortable to be in our bodies. And so the coaching that I do, I really help women find a safe place and know that it is safe and comfortable to be within their bodies and that the healing comes from actually the body. And then the shame and guilt. So shaming and guilt, um, guilt is just this idea that um, you did something wrong. Shame is the belief that you are bad, like you're a bad, nasty, wrong person, a bad person, right? And a lot of the shame and guilt can come from the trauma, can come from those conditioned beliefs as well. But these are really four areas that I've found in my work that can um, be barriers to embodiment and um, that can really prevent us from living from um, our our knowledge and wisdom from within. What is trauma? We we talk about trauma, we say trauma is stored in the body, trauma is stored in the body, but I don't think um, people deeply understand trauma because we overuse the word spirituality, abundance, prosperity, and we don't embody, I would use that word, the meaning of the word. So what is trauma and how is trauma stored in the body? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So trauma is too much, too soon, too fast. Yeah. And there's big T trauma and then there's small T trauma. So the big T trauma, I think people really understand. It's the sexual trauma, the physical trauma, the emotional traumas, um, oftentimes associated when we were younger. But there's also small T trauma. And small T traumas are time that you were bullied on the playground, right? It could be that time your parent yelled at you about something, right? So we think of definitely the big T traumas. I think a lot of people have a, a sense of what that is. And sometimes it's the smaller T traumas that people have a diff more difficult time really grasping. But it's, it's trauma in a sense is when the body is experiencing something that's too much, too soon, too fast. And often a way to um, handle 
the trauma that we experience is by fight, flight, freeze, or appease. And so our body will respond in those particular ways as a coping mechanism for the, for the too much, too soon, too fast happening to us. And so we, one of the ways that, that we also deal with trauma that might be happening to our physical bodies is that we disassociate, we, we um, remove ourselves from our bodies as a way to cope with this thing that's just really hard and difficult to cope with in the moment. So, so that, excuse me, so that's my definition of, um, of trauma and how I see trauma um, mm. is that it's, it's um, too much, too soon, too fast. I know I've said that several times, but that's kind of how the body interpretates it. And so when we have that experience within the body, the nervous system oftentimes will remember that. They, it will. It's, there's a lot of um, studies, especially in the world of somatics and somatic coaching and therapy, that the body will remember, the nervous system will remember that, that trauma. And it's like the, uh, Peter Levine talks about this, and it's like the gazelle on the, on the Serengeti, right? So there's a gazelle and he's with his gazelle buddies and they're doing their little thing. And then all of a sudden he gets a sense that there's, a, there's danger. So he kind of like perks up and he begins looking around and he sees a cheetah. So he like takes off running. Well, of course the cheetah is gonna be faster than the gazelle. So the cheetah gets the gazelle and the gazelle freezes. Like that's his response, he just freezes. And the cheetah takes the gazelle up the tree and the cheetah kind of has a moment of weakness. He thinks the gazelle's dead. And so the cheetah kind of looks away and the gazelle gets up and runs and is able to get away from the cheetah. And he gets far away from the cheetah, he's safe. And then the gazelle like shakes its body, moves the body. And what he's doing is he's moving the energy of that trauma out of his body. So we oftentimes don't have that response, right? We don't have that response anymore, but we can learn a lot from nature. And this is just one of the ways that we can move that trauma out of our body, right? So it's about literally identifying it and moving it out of the body in that way. So I love, I love that example of um, how, how we can, you know, utilize nature and learn from nature about how we can how we can you know overcome and and move the trauma out of our body because we don't do that we don't we don't move after you know something like like that happens to us so anyway i hope that that was helpful yes one of my guests were talking how shaking is so important and by shaking he asked me a question do you, have you noticed what happens when two dogs fight and i was like no and they shake after they have a fight. So animals do that. And that's a wonderful reminder, as you mentioned it, to just move our body. Like, that's why I love Qigong so much, because like through the movements of Qigong, it's like you ground yourself and you move. Yoga is, and yoga is amazing as well. But for me personally, like just jumping up and down and that vibration helps me so much. What are some tools that you use either when you identify trauma in yourself or you want to just release any stagnant or negative or stuck energy from your body? Yeah. So I, I want to just mention here that trauma is, um, 
it's really important to work with a trauma-trained specialist. If you are noticing that maybe there is some trauma from your past, it's really important to find someone who, who is, is trained and certified in this um, because it is really delicate and um, it's, it's a, a real, yeah, it's just a real, it's real delicate, right? And um, being re-traumatized is, is, a, is a thing that can happen. Um, so it's really important that we, we find somebody who's, who's trained in trauma um, and working with trauma. Um, and not just try to do it ourselves. It's very rare that we can move through trauma ourselves um, and heal trauma ourselves. So it's really I, important. I think it depends on the degree of trauma. Because I remember when I go to married, I was like not even letting my husband to sit on the uh, bed when it was made. And one day I was like, this is making me so anxious. Why am I doing this? And I was like, oh my God, my grandmother used to do it. And she raised me and that's her in me. And I stopped doing that from that day because trauma can be those little things as well. And if we just put awareness and we understand it, uh, obviously when you when people have PTSD and like big trauma responses, I would also advise them to find a specialist because re-traumatizing is not to avoid re-traumatizing. Re-traumatizing is so important. But also, like, if you understand those little traumas, just like by becoming aware, I think it disappears. So I just want to know people let, to let the people know that sometimes just putting the awareness and understanding why you do certain things is just like it helps it for like dissolve or release. That's just like my experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, awareness is, is, is key. And it may not have been a trauma then um for you it may or may not have been um, it was because i my whole childhood i was getting so anxious with her but i was not aware that i was doing the same thing because i felt like it was my even in my bedroom she wouldn't let me to sit on my she's an amazing person we all have those little you know like i'm pretty sure my son will say something when he's gonna grow up about me no matter how much i know and no matter how much i try i cannot avoid traumatizing him but that was her thing. And I, got, I was feeling so powerless because, because it was my own bedroom. And I, it took so much time to just let go of that powerlessness. And I was always feeling like my word has no value because it's my room. I was thinking like, I want to do whatever I want in my room. And it just took my power away, this, that little thing. So, and I was doing, I was getting so anxious with my husband. That was a trauma response. It wasn't like, oh baby, don't sit on the bed because I don't want to make it again. It was like, you don't even love me because like, I'm telling you, you know, like it was a strong response. And I was like, okay, okay, this is not normal. I shouldn't get this upset because he's just laying on the bed that is already made. And that's when you ask the question and how, you know, how the brain works. I always love to tell the examples for the people because example helps me. Sometimes someone might be explaining something and I just don't get it. But if we just say examples, it's just really helpful. That's why I want to hear your own personal tools and your own personal examples, because that's what I find most helpful. Yeah, so so tools in moving through... Um... Any, any just tag energy or the moment you understand yeah. this is not me this is my trauma talking what are you doing 
Yeah, yeah. So um, because trauma lives in the body, it can it can trigger up. We can get triggered. And I think this is maybe what you're speaking to, right? Like you were getting triggered from this experience with your husband. And that the way that that trigger was coming forward is like you were yelling at him over something that seemed very trivial. And it's because that experience with your grandmother was still in your body and that triggered a response. And it wasn't until you moved that experience from, from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind. And that's where the awareness comes in, right? You started to get curious and you, you, you moved the understanding of this experience from just the body to something that you can really process and, and look at. And so, so in, in the coaching I do, right, we, we look at the triggers that might be coming up and connect the dots and work with the awareness piece, just bringing some of those experiences to the conscious mind and connecting those dots is one way in my one-on-one -on -one coaching practice that we can really start to move through some of the, the traumas in the body um, and some of these experiences that get stored in the body because that's what a trigger is. A trigger oftentimes is just the body's responding to something that happened in the past. And oftentimes it's not until we slow down, find stillness, de-stress, um, like get out of the overwhelmed brain that we can really start to listen and understand those triggers. Um, and so it comes with calming the nervous system. So that's first and foremost what I do with a lot of my clients right off the bat is we work on strategies to calm the nervous system. And um, that can be a variety of different things. Yoga, of course, um, and deep breathing um, are my, my, my go-tos, right? My go-tos, um, oftentimes just the guided meditation um, in that grounding practice to ground somebody in, in the present moment. Um, those can be really helpful. And then when we're looking towards removing, so after we do a little bit of the somatic work together um, and we begin to uh, tap into to the body, then I think it's really important to, to release that energy like we talked about. Um, and so that can come in the form of shaking. It can come in the form of um, nonlinear movement is how I like to describe that. And so moving the body in a way that is comfortable for you, moving the body in a way that is not necessarily a structured way. So it's not necessarily lifting weights or going for a walk. We're really moving the body how the body feels. And so tapping into, okay, what am I feeling now? And moving the body in the way that the body feels at the moment. So that's also another, another practice. Um, so there's really a lot, of, a lot of practices that one can engage in to move energy. I, I am I, I'm a breathwork facilitator. So one of the most powerful ways is through shamanic breathwork. And um, that really moves from the un moves things from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind and gets us into our body and in our emotional body and really allows us to release. So that's another modality that I use in a lot of my um, and a lot of the work that I do. So it's really all individual. Um, but the important thing is to get out of the, the linear movements, get, get, get away from kind of the structured way of moving the body and starting to engage in more dance, engage in more um, 
natural movements that feel um, right to the body and listening to how the body wants to move based on how it feels. That's a really beautiful practice that I recommend for a lot of people. But calming the nervous system first and foremost, right? Because if we're not going to be able to listen to how we're feeling or listen to how the body wants to move if our nervous system is overwhelmed and, and if we're stressed. So that's first and foremost, calming the nervous system through yoga, through um, breath, through, um, there's a lot of different calming strategies. Sometimes some self-care practices can really help us calm the nervous system. Taking a bath, bringing in the five senses through essential oils or, you know, looking out at a pretty tree or nature, by the way, is also very calming. Um, so there's a lot of different practices that one can do. Where is the line between pushing to pushing our bodies and listening to our bodies because it took me quite some time to understand when I'm just being lazy and I'm using quotes and when I really need to slow down how do we understand when to push ourselves and when when to slow down well I think that push oftentimes is coming from society or um, coming from out something outside of us. So there's something outside of us, um, maybe the way that we were raised and with, with our parents or society is telling us like, we have to do this thing. I have to push to do this thing. So I think there's a, a, a difference between pushing and, um, and getting things done because we have to live in society. We have to work. We have to take care of our families. We've got to do things, right? Um, and so that comes once again with sensitizing yourself to your internal body. And that comes with practice. Um, it comes with practice of really knowing, okay, now is the time for me to get up and engage my body, my lower body in some movement because I've been sitting at a computer for three hours. I've been, you know, on the phone, on social media for an hour, whatever, right? Like, so, so at first, I really recommend people to rebuild those patterns because that's what it is. The pattern of push is something in the nervous, is, is a uh, neural pathway that your, your body has gotten used to. Your body has patterned itself to constantly be pushing. So to repattern ourselves and to create new habits, we have to first just begin to uh, introduce new ways of being. And at first, introducing those new ways of being require us to set alarms, give ourselves reminders because we're still in the push in the go and that's part of how we were trained probably from a really young age we were trained to do this our society tells us tells us we should do it this way so to retrain ourselves to begin to get out of the push and into the body yeah just typical strategies right like put a sticky note um wherever you, you do your work to make sure you get up and move your body every 45 minutes, set an alarm, those sort of things. And then you can really begin to get, to sensitize the body where your body will then tell you and you can feel, okay, I need to get up here, right? Like you can start to feel maybe as the energy moves from all of the thinking, right? As the energy moves from our hips um, and our inner thighs and our lower body and our buttocks and everything, and we're squeezing everything in, 
and all the energy comes here, you might start to notice, oh, okay, I've got some tension in, in the neck and in the shoulders. Um, you might start to, to notice the hip flexors are getting a little bit tight. And so it can start with these a, a sensations of the physical body, right? Where, where you, you start to get sensitized and you intervene before the uh, before it gets so bad that you need to go see your massage therapist right away, right? Like you can start to intervene and, and before it gets to the point where you're um, feeling so, so much stress in the body, you have to have, you know, I don't know, take some sort of anti, um, you know, an aspirin or something, right? Like, so, so it's, 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 um, it's, it's, there's steps to get there. There's definitely steps to get there, especially the longer and the more we've been in that sort of push and hustle. Yes. Um, that is so important because if we don't listen to our bodies, as you said, it always, it's always talking to us, but don't, I have observed that people are so used to being bloated or being in pain after eating. Like people are used to living in the pain that they already think it's normal. So it's so important the work that you do to let the people know that to be out of alignment, it's not normal. And that's our body's way to communicate to us that something is just wrong. And we have to listen to the body. So the work that you do is so important. That's like the healing of the hum human humanity. And I just really want to acknowledge it to going through your own path and using that lessons to then guide others and learning about so many tools work, yoga, and all the tools that you have accumulated with you, that's, that's an amazing toolkit to have. You are a pure like person of walking toolkit <laughs> of healing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I've, I've done a lot of my own healing, um, yeah. which has allowed me to really embody the work that I do for sure. Cause I've, I've, I've walked, I've walked that path before. So thank you for noticing that. Yes, you have walked that path because I can feel your peaceful energy and you have a lot of knowledge around these topics. And we can talk about this topic I, all day for you and all night for me. Uh, we can never stop about asking. I can never stop about stop talking about asking you the questions about trauma and what is the trauma. Uh, but we have to be mindful of both of our time. And we have been talking for a while. Before I ask you my two questions, is there anything you really want to talk about? But I just didn't get the chance to ask you the question. Mm, you know, I, I think that this was a, a complete um, interview. I'm feeling complete. And I just appreciate your, your time and asking me such great questions. Oh, I appreciate your time and your energy and your presence. I would love to know where can people find you? I would link everything down in the description box, but where can people find you? Uh, what are some services that you offer? What are some other ways that you are bringing value to the people? Or if they just like you as a person and want to connect you and say hi, where can they say hi to you? Yeah. So I, I just revamped my website. You can find me at leahmcquade.com. So that's L-E-A-H-M-C-Q-U-A-D-E. And I'm offering your listeners free 30-minute support calls. So if any of this really resonated with your listeners, I would really encourage them to um, hop on there. I'll give you a link. So we can definitely put the link in the show notes. And 
or you can go to my website and book a free call that way. And um, it'll just give us a chance to get to know each other and connect. And if something really resonated with you, if there's something that's really kind of in, in you that you want to talk about, I'll be more than happy to give um, any of your listeners um, that 30, 30 minute support call. Um, and yeah, so my main programs are one-on-one coaching. That's really the, my big program, but I also do breath work and coaching packages um, as well. And those are really the big, big things that I do. Um, um, I do some yoga, um, virtual yoga things online too. Um, so if the yoga piece is something you're really interested in, I blend somatic work with yin yoga. Um, and you can find all that out on my website. Or also contact me. I'm okay if any of your listeners want to email me with any questions. That's info at liamacquaid.com. So lots, lots of ways to get a, in touch with me. And I would, I would absolutely be honored to um, talk with any of your listeners. This is my last question, which I usually ask in a different way to my guests. We, I usually say, like, leave me or listeners with a word or a sentence. But to you, I feel guided to ask you a different question. And it is leave me and listeners with one quick breathwork technique, one or two yoga poses, and one other tool that calms us, our nervous system. But like, you know, like short, quick tools. It's like three, three tools for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, the, the shamanic type of breath work I do is really a whole process. So that's a little different, but there are lots of yoga, lots and lots of yoga practices. Um, I would just say the, the first one is, is meditation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's finding that stillness within through literally just sitting, like sitting and, and you don't have to be in a cave in India, um, you know, to meditate, yeah. you can find a little space in um, your own room, create a little Zen den. That's what I like to call it. Create a little Zen den. It can be the corner of a room. It can be on top of a dresser. Um, you know, create a space that really appeals to you to be in. And maybe you put some objects that are sacred to you or that are important to you in your little space and you go and you sit, you sit and you can use some traditional meditation practices, the idea of calming the mind. So when a thought comes into the head, you just let it go. And then another thought will come into the head and you let it go. Or you can just sit, you know, for like five minutes, set an alarm um, and do that for five minutes. The other one that I really like is similar to that. Um, but you're using your senses. So you might sit outside or look out a window and you're just allowing life to happen to you. So you're outside and you see a bird flying by and you're just allowing that bird to fly by. And then you might see a car on the street drive by and then you might feel the wind in your hair. And then you might come to your feet and be like, oh, my feet are on the earth. Oh, and you might feel the grass in between your toes if you're standing on grass. And you're just five minutes once again at the minimum and just letting life happen to you, just feeling life happening to you. I like that one a lot. And another one of my favorites is kind of more fiery. And it's the breath of fire. I really like breath of fire if you're feeling more on the um, 
the lethargic side, if you need that energy boost, mm. um, I really like Breath of Fire. Um, you don't want to do Breath of Fire if you are on your period. You don't want to do Breath of Fire um, if you're pregnant because um, it can really stimulate the, the lower part of the body. But I love that for moving some energy. And so we can do that real quick if you'd like. And I would so, love to. Okay, great. Yeah, I love Breath of Fire. And yeah, like I said, this really is an energy boost. So if you're feeling like you need that that energy quick pick pick up, I love this. I need that. <laughs> okay, good. Let's do it. Okay, so what you'll do is you'll breathe out your nose forcefully, and then the inhale is just kind of natural. And as you breathe out forcefully, the belly will push in, and so it's like this. And I've got a fast rhythm going, but you can do a slower rhythm too. Yeah. For how long? And if you're just starting out with Breath of Fire, this is where you get to really pay attention to your body. Because sometimes if you're first starting out, you can get dizzy and lightheaded. So if you get dizzy and lightheaded, back off of the Breath of Fire, take a little break, and then you can kind of jump back in after like the, the dizziness goes away. That can happen if you're brand new with Breath of Fire. If you've done it before and you're not feeling like a whole lot of dizziness, you can do that for a few minutes at a time, for sure. So so yeah, there's some of my favorite practices to engage in. Easy, not obviously when we start any practice can get challenging, but just being aware and sitting, I love that. We don't need to be in the cave in India, as you said, so. I really appreciate those tools. Thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge and for your tips and tools and wisdom and nuggets of wisdom. And I just really appreciate having you being in my show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And thank you listeners for listening. And until next time. <laughs>